When my youngest son was about seven years old, we were in the checkout line at Walmart. And as we waited, he brought me a package of Skittles. I handed them back to him because it was about 4.30. We, were being, we would be on our way home to have dinner. And I knew my wife would not enjoy the fact that I had just given our son Skittles right before dinner. So I said, son, you don't need that candy. And I decided to make it a teachable moment. And I said to him, this is a want. This is not a need. And without missing a beat, my son Josiah said, but dad, I need this to satisfy my wants. So that makes a lot of sense. The truth is, God is not primarily concerned with meeting our wants, but He is concerned with meeting our needs. The most familiar verse of Scripture about meeting needs is Philippians 4.19, But my God shall supply your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. From the beginning of time, humanity has had needs, and God has been faithful to meet those needs. Recently, I was studying the Scripture And I realized that even in the innocence of the Garden of Eden, Adam presented himself, uh, presents uh, before himself a singular problem, that of being alone. In fact, it says that God recognized that need and he stated, it is not good that man should be alone. Aren't you thankful that God is not some uncaring distant deity who only identifies the problem but doesn't give a solution? Instead, God identified the problem and He began to meet the need for companionship in Adam's life through a process. Now, we like the promise, my God shall meet all your needs, but we sometimes don't like the process in which He meets the needs. This morning or this evening, I'd like to talk to you about how God meets our needs. I'll give you four principles that are found here in the story of Adam as God meets his need for companionship. It's principles that can be applied to any need in our lives. It's how God meets our needs. The first principle is this, the omniscience principle. God knew Adam's need before Adam knew he had a need. God knew Adam's need before Adam knew he had a need. Look in Genesis 2, verse number 18, and notice what the text says. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make it help meet for him. Notice in the verses prior to that, nowhere did Adam say, Hey, God, I'm lonely down here. God, I would like to have a wife or a help meet. No, Adam didn't even recognize that he had a need. It was God who recognized the need, and Adam's need was unrealized in his life. In business terms, it's called a latent need. Uh, a latent need in the formal definition is a need that cannot be satisfied due to the lack of information or the availability of the product or service. In plain English, a latent need is a problem that a user or a consumer doesn't even realize that they have. Let me give you an example. The telephone is a, a great example of a latent need. It was not until Alexander Graham Bell invented the telephone in 1876 that we knew that communication could exist and that communication could be better. 1876, fast forward 150 years, and I dare say 99% of us in this room do not have a phone on a wall or a phone that we crank. I dare say all of us have a phone in our pocket we carry with us everywhere we go. And the truth be told is that we cannot live without these phones because it is central to how we communicate, how we function in our culture. But prior to 1876, it was a latent need. 
It was a need that no one even knew about because there had never been the invention, the, the, the preparation of that service. Adam was the first human with a latent need. He didn't even realize he needed Eve because there was no Eve. You know, Jesus addresses this principle in the New Testament. Writing in your notes, Matthew 6, verse number 8. Your father knoweth what things you have need of, listen to this, before you even ask him. God knows your need even before you ask him. The very next verse of Scripture says this, and he gave the model prayer, and it says, And after this manner therefore pray pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. My same son, who at seven was asking for candy, was learning how to recite the Lord's Prayer at age four, and he prayed this way, Our Father who art in heaven, I know you know my name. That's pretty good theology, but it's an incorrect quotation. The truth is, that the God who knows our name, most importantly, knows our need. So I challenge you tonight, recognize that God knows what you need, not now, but later. And the thing that you think you need, God may recognize you don't need it because there's something far better that He has prepared for you. The omniscient principle, omniscience principle, God knew Adam's need before Adam knew he had a need. Here's the second principle, the preparation principle. God cultivated the need in Adam's heart before he met it. God cultivated the need in Adam's heart before he met it. Now notice what happens here. Genesis chapter 2, verse number 19. If you're with me and you know where we are in the text, would you say amen? Amen. The Bible says, And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air, and notice this, and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all the cattle and to all the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found an helpmeet for him. Now notice what God is doing. He takes Adam who he knows he has a need, but Adam doesn't recognize he has that need, and he begins to cultivate that need through the process of giving Adam an assignment. Adam, I'm going to bring these animals before you, and I want you to name these animals. Now stop and think about this for just a moment. Why didn't God just name the animals himself? The Bible says in Psalm 147 verse 4 that God knows the numbers of the stars and He calls them by their names. If God is capable to name every star in the universe of His creation, could He not name the animals in the Garden of Eden? It was not for lack of ability on God's part. It was really for the purpose of cultivating in Adam the recognition of a need of a helpmeet. You see, God was bringing before Adam every animal in every gender, male and female. The Bible says the divine implication of this was that when Adam saw all of these animals in the plural, notice this, all cattle in the plural, all fowl of the air in the plural, every beast of the field in the plural, it was then that the light bulb came on in Adam's mind and he said, but wait a minute, there's not a helpmeet that is found for me. Notice that, that, that Adam, when he saw Mr. Cat, he recognized there was a Mrs. Cat. When he saw there was Mr. Giraffe, there was a Mrs. Giraffe. When he saw Mr. Hippopotamus, he saw Mrs. Hippopotamus. He saw all of these animals and he recognized that there was a companion for each of those animals. And in the process, God cultivated the need in Adam's heart. Now here's a truth that our culture does not like. The way God cultivated that need was work. 
God gave the assignment in Genesis 2, verse number 15. He put Adam into the Garden of Eden to dress and to keep it. The word dress is to work and to labor. The word keep is to watch over. And God gave a specific assignment as, they were to, as he was to dress and to keep the garden. He said, name each of those animals. And I'm here to challenge you tonight, church, that do you recognize that what you are working through tonight, God has brought into your life at this moment to prepare you for the next step of your life. What God has you dealing with right now, what God has as an assignment in your life tonight, God has placed in your life to prepare you for the next step. That relationship that you're working to try to live as peaceably as possible, as the book of Romans says. You're working to get along with that person at work, that person in your family, that person in this church. You're working at it. God is preparing you for something else. Some of you are working through emotions things that have hurt you in the past, things that are current, the, the, the wound is open, the emotions are raw, and you're working through a broken heart or an unmet expectation. God is not allowing that to go to waste. He's using it to prepare you for the next level. I look at my life of how God has prepared me in things I never thought I would imagine. If he would have asked me, would you be working in college administration at Pensacola Christian College. If you'd asked me that five years ago, I would have laughed at you. If you'd asked me that after I graduated from college, I probably would have passed out laughing. It would be so funny. God has a unique way of bringing us to various places in our life, preparing us for things we don't even realize we need. Number one, the omniscience principle. God knew the need of Adam before Adam even knew he had a need. The preparation principle. God cultivated the need in Adam's heart before he met it. He assigned the task so he would recognize the need of companionship. Here's a third principle, the rest principle. For Adam to have his need met, he had to rest in God's power. Let me say that one more time. For Adam to have his need met, he had to rest in God's power. Look at verse number 21. The Bible says in verse 21, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of the ribs and closed up the flesh thereof instead thereof. Now notice this. The Bible says that the Lord caused Adam to fall into a deep sleep. It is the term that would be used to describe deep anesthesia. Some of you are in the third stage of anesthesia as I'm preaching right now. It's okay. I understand. So, so, so in that moment of rest, God is doing the work in Adam's life. He caused a deep sleep and he slept. This is, this is an interesting thing. That Adam could not find the solution to his need until he rested in the Lord to provide it. He could not find what he needed in his life until he ultimately rested in the Lord. And the same is true for us. You might write this verse in your notes. Matthew 11, verse number 28 and 29. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you, say it out loud with me, I will give you what? Give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Come unto me, all ye that labor, all of you that are worn out. How many of you are worn out and it's just Sunday? Uh, come unto me, all of you that are heavy laden. How many are weighed down with problems and you know you got to face them tomorrow? Come to Jesus and find the rest that you need in Him. Because as you rest in Him, it is then that God can meet your need. 
Why is it we don't find rest for our souls? I believe the psalmist gives us the answer. You might write this in your notes. Psalm 37, verses 5 through 7. Commit thy way unto the Lord, and trust also in Him. And He shall bring it to pass, and He shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light, and thy judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord, and wait patiently for Him. Before you can rest in the Lord, you must first commit your way to the Lord. The word commit that is used there has the idea uh, to roll away. It's actually as if a transfer has occurred. It would be a term that would be used as if in, in our common culture, in our common vernacular, when you make a deposit in the bank, you transfer the safekeeping of that deposit into the bank's hands. And what the psalmist is saying is this, commit your way, transfer your way to the safekeeping of the Lord so you can rest. We don't, we don't hide our money under our mattresses anymore. We, we, we allow the, the, the banks to keep that for us. We, we, we allow that safekeeping to occur. And the same and mo- far more valuable than the money of this world is the way that God has given you. Commit your way unto Him. Transfer it to Him so that you can ultimately rest in Him. I said four principles, and I'm coming to the fourth principle. It's the sweetest words in any Baptist church. Can I have an amen right there? The omniscience principle. God knew Adam's need before Adam knew he had a need. The preparation principle. God cultivated the need in Adam's heart before he met it. The rest principle. Adam had to uh, have his to have his need met. He had to rest in God's power. Here's the fourth and most important one. The the extraction principle. God took something away from Adam to give him what he needed. God took something away from Adam to give him what he needed. Look at verse 21 again, if you would, please. And the Lord God caused Adam to fall uh, into a deep sleep, and he slept. Notice again verse 21. And he took one of his ribs, and he closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken, circle that if you would please, the word taken, circle the word took in verse number 21. The rib which the Lord God had taken from the man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. Under this divine surgery, under divine anesthesia, as Adam rested in the Lord, God reached into his very being and opened him up and extracted from him part of his skeletal frame. For some of you who are here tonight, it seems as if the Lord has just laid you bare, opened you wide, and ripped your soul from your very being. And you're saying, God, what in the world are you doing? Why did you take that away from me? Why did you remove that out of my life? I dare say, if we were to have Adam to testify, if he knew what God was going to do, we would say, Adam, do you think that you need that rib that God is going to take from you? He would say, absolutely. I need that rib. That rib is necessary for me. It's part of my skeletal frame. It holds my, my, uh, I'm from the south. It holds my innards in. Does that make make any sense? I need that rib. It's part of what makes me stand. It, it gives me what I need. But here is a principle that we all must learn in the Christian life. That God sometimes takes the lesser to meet the greater need if we let Him. That's what God did for, for Adam. He took the lesser rib to meet the greater need, a helpmeet in, in Eve. 
So you ask, you ask Adam after that divine surgery, Adam, uh, do you, would you like to have your rib back or would you rather keep Eve? He would say, absolutely, I want to keep Eve. G- Eve is a gift from God. This is what God has given me. It is a divine work of God in my life. I can stand and testify to you tonight. Looking back over my life, there have been things that I knew were God's will. I knew it was the best for me. I knew that this is something that I should hold on to. But God, in His divine wisdom, took that from my life. A job opportunity, a friendship, a boyfriend, a girlfriend maybe for you tonight. Something in your life that you thought was it. It is so important in your life. But God in His divine wisdom took that away. May I say to you that God takes the lesser to meet the greater need in your life as you rest and as you trust in Him. Several years ago, I read an article in Creation Magazine by Dr. Carl Weiland. Dr. Carl Weiland is a family practice physician, and he wrote a piece a number of years after he had a head-on collision with a tractor-trailer. He survived that accident, but he had a number of surgeries to follow up, and he wrote about those surgeries. Forgive my extended reading, but it is so good to hear this. Please listen to what he wrote. Dr. Weiland wrote, a head-on impact with a fully laden fuel tanker at highway speeds is an experience I would hope that none would ever share. The surprise was to have survived it. God clearly had other plans for me. During the five and a half months in the hospital and for years afterwards, I had a series of operations to reconstruct various parts of me, particularly the bones of my face. The operations often required using my own bone for grafting. I noticed that the plastic surgeon would keep going back to the right side of my rib cage through the same horizontal scar, actually to get more bone for the procedures. One day I asked him why he hadn't run out of bone. And he looked at me blankly, I being a family physician, I should know this, but he explained that he and his team took the whole rib out each time. And the doctor said, we leave the periosteum intact so that the rib usually grows right back again. Despite having been trained and practiced as a family doctor, I was intrigued. I'd never realized this before. The periosteum, which is Latin in the literal meaning around the bone, the periosteum is the membrane that covers every bone. The periosteum contains the cells that can manufacture new bone. Particularly in young people, the rib periosteum has remarkable ability to regenerate bone, perhaps more so than any other. When the surgeon initially told me this, my immediate thought was, wow, that's really neat. Adam didn't have to walk around with a defect. Surprisingly, some Christians have grown up believing that men have one less rib than women, but they have the same number, of course. He concludes, however, this information about rib regrowth adds a new and fascinating dimension. The God who designed the rib, along with the periosteum, was the God who certainly would have known how to remove the rib in such a way that he could give Eve to Adam and even allow the rib to grow back later, just as ribs still do today. It's an amazing fact of God's design. 
It's an amazing fact that God, who can take what is in Adam's skeletal frame, give what he needs from that, and then return back what he already had lost. That is an amazing, astounding fact that God is willing to meet our needs. Learn this tonight, church. God often takes the lesser, replaceable rib to meet the greater irreplaceable need, in Adam's case, Eve, if we simply will allow him to do the work. How does God meet our needs tonight? Through the omniscience principle, God knows our need before we even know we have a need. Through the preparation principle, God is cultivating the need in our lives tonight. What you're going through is not wasted. It is for a purpose. God is working in your life, preparing you to meet that need. The rest principle, that you have to rest in God's power. You cannot fix this problem yourself. You cannot fix the situation. You cannot make it better. You have to rest in God and be prepared. God may do divine surgery, and He may take what you think is the most valuable part of your very being and soul, but when He does, He will give you a greater blessing as He takes the lesser to meet the greater need. That's how God meets our needs. Father, I thank You tonight that we can come to You who knows our need before we even ask. I dare say that there are people that are gathered in this room tonight who are unaware of needs that you're preparing to meet, needs that they're going to have even this week, and you are fully capable of meeting that need. Lord, there are some tonight going through circumstances that you're using those circumstances to cultivate the need to find that openness in their heart and in their lives to allow you to meet the need. They may not be resistant to the assignment that you give, the work that you have them do, the the things that uh, have been brought into their life. May they allow you to work in their lives to prepare for that need. And Father, all of us need to rest in you. Father, I have learned in my own life I can accomplish far more in my ease than I ever could in my effort if I just rest in you. And for those that are trying to work, trying to do everything in their own power, absent of you, may they rest in you. May, may that divine rest that can only come for you be given. And Lord, may we be willing to have an open hand to allow you to take what is necessary to be taken from our lives so you can bring that which is best. I pray you'll take this very simple thought tonight and challenge the heart of this congregation. And we'll give you the honor and praise for it all, for it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Pastor. As our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, I have a question. How many of us have a need or needs right now? Our hands everywhere. And if you don't have one right now, you will soon. That's the way this life is. It's full of struggles. It's full of difficulties. We live in a world of tribulation. In this world, ye shall have tribulation. So needs are a part of this life. And aren't you glad God has the answer to our needs? 
We just don't always like the way he meets them, though, do we? We saw four of these ways this evening. and So, Lord's work in your heart. Would you trust him and how he chooses to meet your need? Omniscience, preparation, rest, extraction. Trust him knowing that he cannot make a mistake. The piano begins to play softly this evening. If the Lord's touched your heart, why don't you use this altar this evening or bow your knee there at your pew? Let's trust God as he works in and through our lives.